You're listening to Divinely Curious, the podcast for mystics, seekers, and the spiritually curious. I'm Heather Augusta. Join me and my co-host, Emily Rose, for spirited discussions about what's capturing our curiosity and what we're discovering along the way. Hey, Emily. Hey, Heather. (laughs) Do you want to talk about being psychic? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I I wanted to talk a little bit about what it's like to be psychic, but also what did we think it was going to be like? So I guess I'm curious, before you sort of, before you developed and recognized your own abilities, psychic abilities, what did you think it was going to be like to be psychic? I thought being psychic was like being Miss Cleo for sure. I thought, I thought this meant I was totally omniscient. I knew exactly what people were doing. I could tune in to exactly the thing I wanted and know, just know what they were doing. That's what I thought psychic was from a young age. And so I didn't really like believe that that was a possibility for me. So I was like, oh, I'm not psychic. Totally not. That was definitely what, what I thought. What did you think? I thought that being psychic was you would read, you would just always read people's minds all the time. You just always hear people's thoughts, which sounds like a total nightmare to me. (laughs) But I thought I would always be able to hear people's thoughts. I would know the future like all the time. What else that I would be able to talk to dead people and I, I don't know. It was a lot. I thought that being, and that you would be really wise because you'd always know what was going on. Like you'd always know what people were thinking. You could see the future. You could talk to deceased people. I thought that would make you wise. So you'd basically be like Mel Gibson in What Women Want, that terrible movie. Oh, I haven't seen that. Is it like the 90s or 2000s where he gets electrocuted and he can hear women's thoughts? It sounds not fun. (laughs) It's a terrible movie. It's terrible. That's what that reminded me of. You just could know. And he walks into an elevator with women and he's like, ah, I can't function. And it's so sexist, such a sexist movie. Anyway, that's what I, what I thought of (laughs) when you said that. So whoever made that movie obviously thought the same thing I did. Oh, Oh, just being able to hear everybody's thoughts but it's just wouldn't be very exciting. I think I would think it would be awful actually. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I never thought I'd be able to just read people's mind for some reason that wasn't part of my picture, but that makes a lot of sense why you would think that just like you could just know anything you want and just be super wise. Yeah. What do you think people in general think that it's like to be psychic? Well, I feel like there's two camps. People either think it's totally fake and just not a thing. That's one camp of people. And then I think, or I guess there's three camps. So that's one camp. And then I think the kind of middle ground camp is people are like, oh yeah, there there are psychic people. But I think they think what you think. Like they can read people's minds. They can just know anything. You just ask literally any question. They'll know it instantly. Yeah. I think there's like an instantaneous quality to what they they think about it that's that's what I I feel what what do you think well yeah I think people perceive being a psychic as having instant access to all the information and 
that maybe there's, I think people feel judged too. They're worried that they're going to be judged Uh, because being like, think about it. If someone could totally read all of your thoughts, you'd feel like kind of insecure about that. It's hard enough being in my own head. I I would not want to subject anybody else to that, you know? That's very true. They, They probably would feel that way. And it makes sense when I tell people that I'm a card reader or something, they go like, that maybe that's what they're feeling in that moment. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, their insecurity about being seen for who they are instead of seen for what they want the world to see them as. Yeah, the projection that they've set up and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So what, so you're a psychic person. I was thinking about rating level of psychicness. <laughs> And my perception of you is that you would be like a nine on the psychic. Oh my God. Out of 10. And I'm like, I'm maybe a six on a good day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't even know, man. Cause that's the thing. It's so hard to also compare yeah. the different, cause I, I think psychic means a lot of things. What does it mean to you? Versus being intuitive, what what would an intuitive person versus a psychic person, how, how do you perceive the difference in those two things? And how do you perceive how is your experience with those two concepts? So I guess, you know, the, the definition, right, of be, between the two is that intuition is knowing something without knowing why you know it, but it is knowable information in your environment, right? right? So you could like look at somebody and say, oh, they're grieving. And you don't know exactly how you know it. But if you look at their body language, you look at their facial expressions, you know, there's something that's tipping that off to you. And then there is psychic ability, which is knowing something you couldn't possibly know. Yeah. just from the environment. So that would be like looking at someone and and saying, oh, you have a white house. Yeah. You couldn't know that, right? It doesn't always have to be so specific, the information, but it's knowing something you couldn't know from that environment. So I would say that's like the very general definition of psychic. And I think that the way that that information comes through or is presented can be vastly different depending on on whoever is divining that whoever is is getting that information how do you how do you receive psychic information versus intuitive information well i would say you know when i'm working with clients as i read you know lenormand and tarot but i start most readings with tuning in to a person. And the way I do that is I have a statement I say before every reading and I have to say that, or I literally can't do it. It's almost like a permission. It's like, I'm, it's like a consent process almost for Mm -hmm. somebody. And that's a boundary I've set up for myself, but I connect with them and I, I see things. I go into their spiritual space is what I call it. And Mm -hmm. I lack a lot of language for <laughs> these things that you that you see, but it, I, I call it their spiritual space because I can see what's happening energetically with that person. I can see what types of problems or obstacles they're up against. I can typically see what kind of supports they have, what's important for them to focus on. And it's totally different from 
one person to the next, but I, I physically see guides, which I believe guides are beings, entities that have signed on kind of for your lifetime to, to help you and guide you. I have a boundary of only seeing guides and spiritual helpers that have your best and highest good in mind. That is my, my boundary that I put out. And that's part of the statement I say at the beginning is that I only want to communicate with them. And they, I basically walk around or float around or swim around (laughs) their spiritual space and just let, sometimes the person is showing me around their spiritual space. Sometimes it's a guide and it usually materializes in the form of images that I usually don't understand when I'm there. And sometimes I, well, actually every time I do see chakra colors and that tells me where their energy, where the focus is in terms of energy. It could be positive, like, okay, they're, they're really showing this right now and things are great. It could be, wow, you know, their root chakra really feels like under attack or feels, feels like it's taken a hit lately. So it's totally different from person to person. And I see different things that all the time that I never would have thought or could have imagined (laughs) I would see. And that's what it's like for me. And usually when it it doesn't make sense to me, but I, I, I automatic write as I'm doing that. And sometimes I don't remember writing certain things. And then I'll, I'll read back what I saw and, you know, explain things, what I saw. And a lot of times I actually just did a reading right before this, where I was like, I don't know what this means. And she knew exactly what I was talking about. And she said, oh, you're, you're, you're seeing, you're seeing that. She goes, I, I've been imagining that in my visions every day for the last whatever. And it's something like, I couldn't have known that she was seeing, that she was envisioning this and trying to pull this into her sphere. And sometimes I get specific physical hits, like something in their physical world, I'll get a name, I'll get something. But the thing, I think the main thing I've learned is I literally don't control what, what information comes through, but I can filter the quality of the information, making sure that it is in their best and highest good, making sure that it's going to be helpful to them. But I don't control what messages come through when it comes to that. And then I do use cards and that helps me direct the energy a little bit more. Sometimes I'll ask the guides questions but I don't control what their answer is going to be. <laughs> so, right. It's, so, it, what, yeah. what I'm hearing a lot is like, there's a tremendous amount of focus and discipline and intention going into working with psychic information and, you know, using your abilities. And that seems to really be something that distinguishes accurate and sort of I say healthy psychics is in people who actually have a healthy relationship with that ability versus um, people who are just operating with their intuition, that sort of passive receiving of sixth sensory information versus getting like real psychic downloads and stuff. Seems like you had to hone your technique and your boundaries and put a lot of intention into it. Yeah. And it took a lot of experimenting and getting Mm -hmm. things wrong and a lot of helpers too that have walked this path before that could help me kind of put guardrails on things because for a while I didn't have guardrails on and I would see things in the waking world that 
I didn't really want to see. <laughs> and it took, it took other people helping me and guiding me to kind of say, you know, you get to control what you see and what you don't. You get to control when you tap into this and when you don't. And that's a controversial topic, I feel like, and because some people say I can't turn my ability off or I can. For me, it's not necessarily turned off. It's just that it's it's available, but I'm just I'm just choosing not to access it at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also I've decided that I only want to enter into that type of experience with someone who has enthusiastic consent, I guess like sex, right? (laughs) You have enthusiastic Mm -hmm. consent from somebody because I'm not going to just go in and start reading. And I also don't want to do that. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of energy and work. Why would I do that if someone doesn't want me to, right? So, um, so, and I, I hear people say, oh, I can't turn it off, but, and I don't know other people's experiences, so I can't, I can't speak for them. But for me, it's more of a, a tuning your radio mm-hmm. to that frequency. Your radio can still be on. It's just that it's not tuned to the frequency, right? It's like, you never shut off your sense of smell, but sometimes you're just paying more attention to it. Like, yeah, I'm not thinking about what I'm smelling right now, but if I actually think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, there I can smell things in the environment. It's interesting because it seems like there's almost a couple of different camps of psychics where there's those who are almost open, like wide open, and they're getting information. And it's not in terms of like maturity of inabilities, it's just coming in like a fire hose. And then there are others who it doesn't come naturally and they have to actually cultivate that. You know, there's people who are naturally athletic and they don't have to work that hard. And then there are people who really have to train to develop their own athleticism. It seems very similar. Same thing with artistic abilities too. Some people just, it comes out of them and other people, they really have to work at it. So it sounds like you're kind of more of the person that it was, it was sort of coming at you and you had to just sort of work with it. It was kind of interesting because definitely as a kid, I kind of had this stereotypical thing, but not to an intense degree that I hear from a lot of people. I definitely saw spirits around. Um, I used to live on a house that was on the Oregon Trail, and there were definitely uh, some spots that were likely graves of people that were around Mm -hmm. on our property. And we weren't 100% sure, but it sure looked like that. It had the markings. So I would see spirits all around and I would talk to people in the woods. And, you know, I would tell my mom, hey, I talked to this guy. And she's like, who are you talking about? There's no, we lived on 16 acres of forest. There's nobody around. And she got kind of freaked out. You talking to some random (laughs) person? And then she kind of, luckily I have a mom who's a tarot reader and, you know, psychic and intuitive and all that. So she was like, oh, you're talking to dead people. Got it. So I kind of had some of that stuff, but it was never overwhelming for me, it just, cause I was a kid. Oh, I just talked to this guy and you know, it's all, it's all good. And then as an adult, I kind of didn't, it, I just wasn't a focus and things would happen. I would definitely have experiences, but I would kind of write them off and I'm like, Oh, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know? And then once I began really digging into cards again, it kind of opened up and then it opened up really wide. And there was a, a kind of a scary point where I was just open and seeing all kinds of things. And then I started working with the fabulous Rhonda George and she really helped me kind of put filters on things. So it wasn't overwhelming 
on a day-to-day level. And, and now I, I feel like I, I like where I'm at with it. I like having the ability to, to see this when I want to, but also I can turn the frequency, but sometimes I get tugs that I don't control. The other day I had a friend who he showed up in my dream and he's an old friend of mine. And I hadn't talked to him in, I don't know, eight months or longer. And I just got this tug, like, you need to reach out to him. He has mm-hmm. something going on. That's really, that's really bad. And I talked to him and he, he did have um, a, a pet that passed away that morning and mm-hmm. I, I felt it and felt he needed support in that moment. And that was just a thing I got. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I like where I'm at with it. And I, I definitely started with some kind of seeing it, but I, I wonder how many people do see things like that and just write it off. Cause I did for a long time, yeah. but I, I wouldn't say I was, it was, I wasn't the, the typical story of, Oh, I couldn't sleep because there were so many spirits like that. That wasn't, that wasn't me. Yeah. 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 I know I sort of started out I was always very sensitive person, like a little person and uh, intuitive in a way that was, that was recognized by my family. My parents recognized that I was a very intuitive person. It was just how I existed. But in terms of like receiving actual psychic information, I think because I spent a lot of time like trying to really modulate and, and and care for the sensitive body and the sensitive self and like trying to really deal with just being wide open to all these is that I think I actually was stifling any potential psychic abilities that I may have had Mm -hmm. as a young person um, because I was just feeling kind of assaulted by the ambient energies of, of other people and the world at large. And so it wasn't until I know when I started doing Tarot that I started to develop a language of symbols in my unconscious that that could be communicated to me. So like I could dream in symbols and I could, uh, information could be conveyed in a way that was a little bit um, less, I don't know, it was just, it was a clearer way for me to get information. It wasn't filtered through a lot of emotion and the physical feeling of sensing that stuff. And as far as actually receiving like, true blue psychic stuff a a lot of it was happening like in that space between being awake and asleep Mm -hmm. so particularly in the mornings I would wake up and like I woke up and I heard this voice say I'm really sorry about your dad and I was like what Mm -hmm. and so I called my dad and I was like is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, everything's fine. And then 30 minutes later, he got on the road and a car like lost control and flipped and flew four, uh, over four lanes and flew off an overpass. It was right in front of him. And so it was just like stuff like that. Or so stuff's been happening in the dreams where people will, I'll see something and then the dream will come true. And that never used to happen before I did Tarot and really was like nurturing psychic abilities. And then as I started to develop a skill with the soul realignment, the modality that I, I practice, that gave me skills, an actual way to bring information in that's completely detached from my like actual intuitive experience. It's just like bringing raw data in and having that modality just has blown things wide open with my ability to receive psychic information because that truly is like, 
my clients are people I have literally never met before. And so I can't use my intuition to do this work. I have to just rely on this mechanism that I'm using. And the stuff I get is so crazy accurate. Like it's really bizarre. And, but that's something that I've totally had to develop. It's and nurture and, you know, practice. It didn't just come naturally to me. And when you experience these psychic hits or, you know, when, when you get that information downloaded, I know you mentioned with, with your dad, which is he okay now? Or did he, he wasn't in the accident. It happened in front of him. If, if, if I hadn't called him and asked him if he was okay, he would have left a few minutes earlier and been on the road. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I missed that part. <laughs> I was like, is he okay? Yeah, oh, well, he would. well, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So you, you experience it in between waking or sleeping and waking. And then when you're reading for clients, you experience visions, you hear things like you did, you know, how do you experience those visions so or that? Usually when I am getting the real psychic information, it's, it's actually before I meet with a person because when I'm actually talking to a person face to face, that my intuition is turned up, but mm-hmm. then, and so all my, my powers of observation are turned up and, and, you know, I can read people's emotions and, you know, what that's intuitive stuff that like everybody can do on some level, but the actual psychic stuff, I find it's not real easy for me to get that information when I'm face to face with somebody, because Mm. I still, that spectrum, I guess the force of the intuitive information is so much louder that the sort of like psychic specific stuff isn't it can't it it can't necessarily be heard and that just might be a level of my own psychic development and stuff there I assume there will be a time where I could bring that stuff in but right now I don't feel like I'm as skilled at that part well I think it's also just if you get the information you get the information yeah you know Because I, I know some people, they don't see anything, but they just know, they just, they just know something and they don't hear words. They don't, I don't know how, you know, I I've heard that from a number of people that that's how they experience it. And I just feel like that's the other thing too, is that a lot of people are experiencing this and they write off what they're experiencing because it doesn't fit the traditional things that, you know, we talked about what we thought being a psychic was once upon a time when really they are. And it's just their own. Cause I think everyone has their own way of getting that information if they want to. And I think, I think there is a little bit of innate skills or innate ability But then I think a lot of it, though, is curated over time. And I think even if you do have a lot of gifts, there's so much work that needs to be done to actually focus and understand what you're seeing. Yeah. And I was glad you brought up, you know, tarot and the symbols that you get, because I get a lot of symbols. And then once... I started understanding, oh, this is, this is a symbol that can mean this type of thing. It's, 
before because I just thought oh I'm just imagining it or whatever but then when you explain it to someone no it's a symbol it right. it makes sense to them and I think also sometimes you get this these hits and they don't make sense to you but they make sense to the person <laughs> that you're reading for yeah I mean I think that's maybe one of the biggest obstacles in doing face-to-face psychic work is the intuitive stuff like intuitive information that comes through often seems to just make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I'm receiving information and I know how to convey it to another person because it kind of makes sense. Whereas mm-hmm. psychic stuff is so random sometimes it's yeah. like, it's kind of easier to, to dismiss it because you know, if it's, it, it is, it's just totally random. And it, I think it requires some, not only confidence, but also your trust in what you're saying. I mean, I think there's the other factor of you might pull in some really totally legitimate psychic information, but it doesn't make sense to the client in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's another kind of difficult thing to to navigate is being okay with just letting it come out and and just being okay with the fact that it may not totally make sense in that moment. Yes. And I know what helped me a lot was having supportive people around me Mm -hmm. that have walked this path before of honing psychic abilities, even intuitive abilities, honing it Mm -hmm. and, you know, relaying my experiences to them and them saying, oh, that's normal. (laughs) You're doing this, which normally you're not being told what you're doing is normal (laughs) in this space, but having someone you know, affirm that and share their experience and how they worked through that was so valuable to me. So yeah, I think it's also having a safe place and even as just a safe haven of, of people, or, you know, even if it's literally a space for you to go to kind of recuperate from trying that out, our, our world isn't really set up for (laughs) fostering this. So it's a little tricky. Yeah, I guess I think that would bring me to another kind of question is the care and feeding of your psychic abilities. I mean, and I think that the caring for your intuitive self, but also caring for your psychic self too. I mean, what would you recommend? You mentioned some of the things that you do in terms of creating good boundaries and good intentions and things like that. Do you have other thoughts on on? what that looks like is in particular for people that are listening for developing a good, good habits, like healthy hygiene around their psychic and intuitive abilities. So I think the main thing for me is setting up. So setting up boundaries is just a must, I think around it. If you want to have a healthy relationship, I, I for sure think that. So what I mean by that is, before I go into someone's spiritual space to get that information, I ask, I have a whole thing I say at the beginning, I call it a pre-reading incantation that I say Mm -hmm. where I'm at. And I'm also asking for protection from my guides as well. And that my guides will protect me. And sometimes when I go into someone's spiritual space and I can tell that there's something there that's going to be challenging for me to communicate that's that you know they're going through a really hard time maybe they just had a lot of grief I will actually come out first and get kind of additional protection Mm. and I I almost get like a spacesuit kind of thing that I, I feel like where I'm just witnessing and I'm not really a part of of what what's happening because if I did that for everybody you would just be so drained 
by the end of that. And another thing I do too is I learned to journey from a shamanic practitioner and she's a Celtic shamanic practitioner. And and she taught me it's important to uh, have a cleansing thing, like some type of cleansing ritual in non-ordinary reality, which is kind of that spiritual space Mm -hmm. um, of your own. And so I have a cleansing practice that my guides showed me. I just asked my guides, show me how I cleanse after this. And that's what I do after every reading as well. And it's, it's, I have a river in my spiritual space that I get in. And I also ask that anything that's not mine be returned to whoever it belongs to and anything that I may have left to come back to me. And so I ask that I don't actually do a lot in the physical space. I've not been a, you know, I guess the fun parts of being a psychic witch person is that you have a lot of fun things around like crystals and, and I don't really do a lot of that stuff. Um, like I love it. I have crystals on my desk. I love, I love them, but I do, it's all in law and ordinary reality, like what I do basically. And if I, find myself like I don't really feel personally engaged in a reading I it's actually kind of nice to get away from my own stuff for a while when I'm doing readings but if I if something about me was like triggered from a person um just because of the the subject matter or, or nature of it I make sure to take some time and and that's when I do a physical thing but that's pretty rare for me in my work it came up a lot more when I was reading before I screened my, my clients and I would have people who, you know, didn't have the best intentions for a lot of people. And that was really hard. And and now I feel like I have a, an amazing clientele and, and that took time to build up. So I think it's actually hardest for people who are starting out because you don't, you don't have a lot of these things in place and it, it can feel scary and you don't have clientele that's returning yet if you are reading for others and you're just reading for random kind of people and you don't know what you're getting. And so physical, like I have physical boundaries around who I read for and who I don't and Mm -hmm. also spiritual ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because there is, I like the physical part of the sort of preparing and, and, and the post reading or post psychic work stuff, just because um, it's very grounding and affirming. And there's something about that physical ritual that really helps maybe really clear about my intentions, but that non-physical part almost seems like a really critical thing because that is essentially the realm that you're working in. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and if that's, and, and to do the work, you do have to open up, like you can't be shut down. You won't get accurate information. You're just going to get information coming through your ego and your own emotions. So you have, there is a certain amount of surrender that happens in being open So, you know, I like what you're saying about like, not only bringing back what you cast out because you are casting out feelers, basically Mm -hmm. curiosity and wonder, but also sending back what came to you. I mean, I mean, imagine if people just did that generally in their lives, like beyond doing psychic work, if they just did that in their lives, how much happier and healthier people would be in their own bodies and their nervous systems and things like that. Oh yeah. And when I used to have what I call a muggle job, I would do that all the time after like every meeting that felt icky or something, I would do that same practice, that same thing where I'd go in non-ordinary reality and I would cleanse myself. And it helped me so much like to just not feel like you're attached 
I guess, yeah. to that experience in that way. But I think what you said too about having the physical ritual in some way, that makes a lot of sense because our bodies don't like to do psychic stuff. They're like, <laughs> what the heck are you doing? I'm trying to keep you alive. And I think Carrie, our friend Carrie, that actually introduced me to the polyvagal theory that this kind of connects to is like, and she she said, your body just wants you to stay alive. That's what it's trying to do. And when you do anything different, your body's like, no, 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 don't do that. And I think psychic stuff is connected to that. But one of the things that I have found help helps to kind of regulate that is a, a ritual. And for me, it's just saying it saying, saying my, that's why I literally can't do it until I say the thing, but I think other people, it is physically having setting it up because that makes that sense a signal to your body. Like, no, we've done this before and we were safe. Right. Right. That's exactly right. And I think actually another thing that you're bringing up that's, that I'm thinking of is the, is the presence of guides and the presence of non-physical spiritual support too. So that, I mean, so you have the physical part, your body's engaged, your body feels safe, you've done, you've done your pre-work, you do your post-work, it helps your body know how to be and the energies of your physical body. But having, I can't think of a single psychic that I know that doesn't work with some sort of guides or angels or some sort of non-physical support. It, I'm sure that there are people that do it, but I don't know how happy and healthy they are in their you know, psychic work. Cause I mean, I think we've, we've known yeah. of people who are psychic and they don't have a good, first of all, they don't have boundaries. They just will come up and just do psychic things for people and they're not asking, or they go like creeping around in people's in the psychic field and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think of it as like, like psychic scrolling, like <laughs> social media, except instead of looking uh. at a feed, you're actually like psychically scrolling people. And this stuff. is giving me anxiety as you're saying it. <laughs> I'm getting anxiety because I just try to picture that like going into a crowd with that and I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting anxiety. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is I think that we've probably encountered people like that before who are actually very psychic, but because they don't yeah. have any of that stuff in place, they don't have support. They don't have any sort of rituals to and, and protective and good high, psychic hygiene. Their information is often really weird or Mm -hmm. it's like very tainted with their own views of the world or their own ego stuff. And also they tend to have health problems and stuff because it's really hard to, it's hard to operate like that. You it's physically the body. I don't think is, it can handle that. So. And I think just in general, doing psychic work is so taxing on your body. And I, and this is a thing that comes up again and again, because there's a lot of really gifted psychics and they tend to have a lot of health issues. And I I have a lot of health issues and whether that's related, I I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I definitely am an advocate for like you, sometimes you have health issues and you just have them. And then there's no, I think we try to attribute a lot of things to that when sometimes you just have them. But, but I do notice that if I work too much in a day, especially in, in the reading space, I get sicker. I have, I have Crohn's disease. So I notice I, I'll go into a flare or, or I'll do, it, it'll just hasten it. It doesn't necessarily make it happen, you know, but it's like, yeah. it, it, it quickens it and it could just be overwork, but I definitely notice that a lot of psychic people I know have a lot of health challenges. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's a thing I've, I've noticed too. And I don't know, that's a whole thing that, that talk, that could be a whole separate talk. <laughs> well, <laughs> and actually it would be so interesting to just talk to a bunch of psychics and, and talk to yeah. them about their experience with that. Because I know physically when I do this kind of work, it feels, you know, it, it does make you tired. I feel like it shouldn't make you tired, but, and I always kind of feel like maybe I'm doing it wrong, but then, but then actually, no, I think maybe there's something about this and man, I'd love to run a science experiment to find out (laughs) what's happening physiologically, what's happening to our energy when we go and essentially kind of disperse it a little bit to go and exist on this, this, this other plane of awareness and why when we come back to ourselves, it's like, I mean, I guess it's a journey, you know? Yeah. We, we might be still be just sitting, but it, we did go on a journey. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know what it is exactly, but it's a different kind of tired that I've ever experienced in a, any other way. Yeah. And I don't know what that is exactly. Uh, but I do know that when I, I, I've had days, I think like the most readings I've done in a day, I think was like 15. Mm-hmm. And I was Which is a event. lot. That's a ton. <laughs> and they were shorter. I was doing an event and I quickly learned I am not designed to be an event reader. And I know I could do things that could help, but for me, I could just read cards and not do, but, but to me, it's, it, it's just not how I work. You know, I could I know that there's tons of solutions to that. And I see other people successfully doing it that are great readers, but I, it's just another level of tired. And I was literally in bed for two days after that. It's just not, it's just not something that I'm, I'm built for. So, you know, now my schedule is, I actually have a lot of readings today too, (laughs) doing what three or four today, which is a lot, like I usually do a max of three in a day because that's what I can do and balance my health and, and also being a new mom and, and other things that I do in, in my, you know, spiritually based business as, as well. That's what I can really do. Um, and feel aligned for, for me, I could push it to more, but then I'm going to be tired, really tired. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You want to yeah. show up and be your, as, as on it as you can. So actually this brings me to a really good question and actually this might be a good thing to kind of end on for people who are wanting to move from being intuitive like maybe they're a little intuitive or they're very very intuitive how would you advise someone who really is like I want to develop my psychic skills I want to be able to have more access to psychic information and I want it to be accurate and and I also don't want to like harm myself in the process what would you recommend Oh my gosh, there's so many things you can do and it just kind of depends on your personality and and what and, and how you work. So one thing I would say is if you read cards, like reading cards first of all, I would say it's almost a must, but there are other things you could do instead of cards, but that's just my modality, right? So reading cards just in general I read Lenormand. I love Lenormand. You get predictive stuff with that, which is really cool. It's very predictive in style. And then there's there's tarot, which, you know, Lenormand is emblematic and tarot is symbolic. Whole other episode. Anyway, yeah. but, but yeah. tarot is symbolic. So I think it's crucial to have some type of card reading practice and do predictive readings, whether you're using Lenormand or tarot, like try to use predict, use the cards as a vehicle that saves you 
um, energy is, and that's why I still use cards in my practice. Sometimes I don't. And, but a lot of times I, I do use cards because it saves my energy, frankly, and, and sometimes can pinpoint things and, and funnel things in a way that is more specific. If someone has a specific question, I find that they're really helpful, but I think like that's a starting point is have some type of modality where you're doing that. Another one is to record your dreams and yeah, it, it's a big one. I have a baby. It's really freaking hard to do it, but find a way, whether you're just talking on your, you know, phone voice recorder app, whether you're writing it down, really pay attention to your dreams because it teaches you the, the symbolic stuff and it does, it, it unlocks something. And I mean, that could be a whole other episode, but just record your dreams. <laughs> well, and I think both of these things, I think what happens is if, if you start doing card reading, you, it's not that you are learning symbols, you're developing a relationship with symbols. You're basically giving your unconscious mind a way to talk to you so that your conscious mind can understand. And, and with the symbols that you get from like card reading or whatever kind of divination that you're doing, if it's symbolically based, then your dreams are going to make a heck of a lot more sense. Because if you see a white rose in your dream and you've already established with yourself what a white rose means, regardless of what other people think it means, it has a meaning to you. It's way easier. And then, you know, you can, you pay attention to that stuff and you write it down. I mean, I know my husband and I in the morning, will just, one of the first things we ask each other is what did you dream about last night? So before any other conversation starts, we often ask each other what we dreamt about. Totally. And I think that's so important with the, with the symbols that you get and learning how your soul and your subconscious and learning how it thinks. And there's this, I think it's from Aristotle. I might get it wrong, but the, the quote is something along the lines of the soul doesn't think without a picture. And I find that to be really true. And your dreams, it's just a wealth of information just there from your subconscious and that that's ready for you to take it and, and do what you want with it. So I'd say that's important. And also if you already read cards, one thing I like to do is before you pull any cards, before you do anything, try to feel into the space where the cards are going to go. And that sounds really weird. It sounds like a really weird thing, but like play with that sentence, you know, go into the place where the cards want to go or, you know, feel yourself into the space where the cards want to go and just see what surfaces without any expectation. Like don't have, it doesn't have to relate to the question. It doesn't have to to do any of that, but just feel into it. Where do the cards want to go? And this isn't you thinking, you're feeling into it. Like, Mm -hmm. and just play with that, you know, and see what comes up for you. If you already are a card reader, there's a thousand more things I could say, but I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> well, and when you say that, do you mean feeling into the psychic field, like dipping, yeah. consciously dipping your toe, or as I would say into the Akashic records, like recognizing I am now accessing a field of information and here I go, I'm going to do it. Exactly. I think that I kind of think of it like tuning a radio wave. And so you can, and when you are, maybe you already have a question in mind and it, I think this is easier when it's not yours to start with. Don't maybe don't start with yours (laughs) with this because it's tied to you and you're going to have your own 
whatever, but you, you might have a question that someone asks you, then kind of ask the question and you've dialed the radio wave. Then you have it, then it's like, okay, I'm going to feel and see if I can receive this information and then see what the cards say. And this is especially easiest with Lenormand because it's so specific that you can really get to, oh, that's what they said. And this is just play. Think of it as play and don't, you know, we don't want to attach expectations to it. It's, it's, that's really what happened for me is that I was naturally doing that. And it took me a long time to realize, oh, I'm getting messages. Right. I mean, I feel like that, and and that's a really key distinction. If you're somebody that's trying to develop psychic skills, first recognizing that you are in fact tapping a non-ordinary reality, basically. And yeah, and that's where the shamanic work is really helpful, doing journeying of any t- any kind. You are actively, consciously trying to access non-ordinary reality. And by actually putting the intention out there, I am not going to get this information from this reality. That's, right. that's not where we're looking for the information. We are intentionally going to another space. Just having that awareness casting like you're casting basically a, a an energetic receptive line out into this this other space and seeing what you can reel in <laughs> or in some cases like in journey you are going into those spaces you're actually shifting your consciousness into those spaces so I feel like that is a really key distinction for people like understanding that this information is not going to come to them in this awareness and this uh, place, they're going to have to shift their perception, which is, I guess, why they call it extrasensory perception. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yeah, this is yeah. so, this is so interesting. I love talking about this stuff with you because, you know, we know a lot of psychics and I know everybody's experience with their psychic abilities and their intuition and also how they care for themselves. And this parts of themselves is really different. And so hopefully we can actually talk about this more at some point and maybe we could bring somebody on and talk to them about their experience of it. Cause I know there's a lot of people out there who are really starting to develop their intuition and wanting to like basically access more. So, yes, no, I, I love speaking to other psychics and those with abilities just to see, cause it's so interesting to me to learn how different it is and, oh, yeah. and the nuances. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was a thing you could do. It's, it's so interesting. I, I absolutely love this topic. I'm, I'm so glad that we got to talk about this today and I loved hearing about what your experience was like too. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it again. And uh, we want to thank everybody so much for listening. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Divinely Curious. Connect with us on social media and tell us what you thought about today's episode. You can find Emily at Emily Rose Divination or on her website, emilyrosedivination.com. You can also find me, Heather, on social media at Lovejoy Lightwork. Or you can visit my website, lovejoylightwork.com. Thanks for listening and stay curious.